Here we go. Whoa, Chip's getting fired up. I am fired up, Eric. Chip's fired up. I'm so fired up. Calm down, up, Chip. I could sneeze in a roll of Calm toilet paper. Calm down, Chip. Yeah, do it. At you. Like this? Do it all. Yes, right. <laughs> all right. Well. How you doing, guys? Answer us. Wonderful. Glad to hear that, I hope. Well, what they're asking, Eric, is what day is it? I'll tell them. Today, well, speaking of asking what day it is, Chip. <laughs> yes, it's day three, five, six, Eric. Well. 356. We're well, going to read John. Well, 13, well, 14, well, 15, well, 16, well, and 17. Well, it's a long one today, but you know that because you checked the minutes already. Yeah, you knew. It's going to be great. You knew. Hey, hmm. this is the Upper Room Discourse. Woo-hoo-hoo. I just want to say briefly, okay. when you want to know what's important in Scripture, look at the pacing. So mm-hmm. we spent, you know... Well, I think in the book of John, and I could be wrong about this number, but let me just give you a rough estimate. I think there's like 50 verses about the resurrection. Okay. There are 255 verses in the Upper Room Discourse. John wants us to know what Jesus said in the Upper Room. And so it's very important to pay close attention to what John is writing here. The other Gospels have already been written. Yep. He's already read them. Oh, yeah. This is 95 AD he's writing this Gospel. Those Gospels were all written before 70 AD. He's already read them. He's already heard them. And he said, you know what? I'm going to write a Gospel so that everyone will believe. Mm-hmm. And when I write that Gospel, I'm going to spend a long time talking about those hours before Jesus was arrested because that's important. He does. So just yeah. think about that as we read this. I like that. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You'll never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put it on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Tell the truth. Slaves are not greater. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I've chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says, the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my message is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to to him to ask, Who's he talking about? So that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? 
Jesus responded, It is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. And when Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling them to go pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. Since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer, and as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I would have told you that I'm going hmm. if this were not so would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me wherever where I am and you know the way to where I'm going no we don't know Lord Thomas said we have no idea where you're going so how can we know the way Jesus told him I am the way the truth and the life no one can come to the father except through me if you had really known me you would know who my father is from now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will still see me. You will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and I will, and I, we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. 
I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I've told you these things before. They happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He's no power over me, but I will do whatever the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that don't bear fruit so they'll produce even more fruit. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's command commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for, using my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they'll persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had come and not spoken to them. Excuse me, if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, no one else could that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what's written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. I told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. This is because they've never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. He will tell you everything about the future. 
he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you'll see me again. Some disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you'll see me? And I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you'll see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You'll ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive. You will have abundant joy. I've spoken these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father loves himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so we can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you glory. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the, the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believe you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you and have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they'll be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, 
as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them glory. I am giving them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. And that is our reading today. That wasn't that long. But it was good. It was good. Um, okay, so we read the Upper Room Discourse today, and we had two questions. What's it say about God? What's it say about ourselves? Um, probably some of the densest scripture there is. Yeah. But Chip. Yeah. What, try to see if you can figure out just a thing that this says about God. Yeah, no, I, I got it. Yeah. Um, for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very it, – I'm so used to reading it in another translation. It was just hard to kind of get yeah. get it. But um, it's good stuff. Um. So I will say this. I don't know if we said this before. We might have. But God wants us to love each other. Yeah, that's where I was going to go to. Yeah, and that's a big deal to him because that's who he is. God is love. Yeah. And he loves us, and he demonstrated that through Jesus. He wants us to love each other. But here's the thing. The standard of love, he it's raised here. Yeah. Like it's taken up a notch. You know, uh-huh. you know. I think before it was like love each other, like you love yourselves. Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, but now it's like love each other as I have loved you. Yeah, you know, it's like the new a, commandment. Yeah, the new commandment. You know, here it is. It's like let's step this up a notch, folks. You know, okay, I I can do pretty good loving others like I love me. You know, but loving them as Jesus loved me, as God loved me through Jesus. I mean, that's that's a higher standard. That's the right standard. That's the best standard. That's um, agape love. That's yeah. self-sacrificing love, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And so God wants us to love one another because that's who God is. That's what God does. Yep. And that's what we should do. Yeah. There's three statements that kind of go together in my mind here. Okay. Right. If you love me, keep my commandments. Yeah. And he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love one another as you have as I have loved you. Yeah. And he says, this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. Yeah. That you love one another. That's good. You know, here's the thing. If you're kind and over the top and generous and you go out into the world, I believe that we live in a world now that will not automatically associate that with Christianity. True. Because the church, you know, what do they associate with Christianity? People who are hyperjudgmental, people that are hypocritical. And, you know, of course we struggle. That's fine. But how amazing would it be if we could get the church back to a place where when you meet a super loving person, and there are genuinely times that you meet a person, they're just so kind and loving that you're like, you must also be a believer, right? And generally that happens. But, you know, how great would it be if the world was like, oh my gosh, they love each other so much, like, it must be a Christian, you know? That happened for a while. Yeah. That happened. I don't remember which Roman emperor it was. But he hated the church. He wanted it crushed. And he said, you know, the problem is that they go around and they just help everybody. They just love everybody. Yeah, yeah I remember that. You know, yeah. and then 
So he says to one of his governors, he says, here's the deal. I want you to destroy the church, not with violence, but I want you to go out and be more loving and more over the top and more generous. And they couldn't do it. Hmm. The government started giving stuff away for free and being hyper generous and, you know, like, and they could not outdo the church. The church continually outdid them. And that's the reputation of the church then. What's the reputation of the church today? Mm-hmm. You know, we're judgmental, we're hateful, we're, and some of it's unfair and some of it's very fair. Sure. You know, but how great would it be if we could get back to a place where that person is so kind and loving? I bet they're a Christian. They must be. There's no occasions. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. But widely, you know, just mm-hmm. thinking about it. That's so, good. you know, what's, I guess I would say this, like, what does what your love for others look like? And what would people say about you and your love for others? Mm-hmm. You know, not just like at work or whatever, but what is your, what's, you get to choose what goes on your social media. How loving are you? Mm. You know, versus how judgmental are you versus how mm-hmm. condemning are you? Um, how loving are you on social media? You know, how argumentative are you on social media as opposed to edifying people and building them up? Like, yeah. I think that's huge. That is a huge part of our reputation as believers. Yeah. So, and this ties everything together to say your reputation as a believer affects my reputation as a believer. Mm-hmm. And my reputation as a believer affects your reputation as a believer. So, yeah. we need to work together. Yeah, that's good, Eric. Do some Christian PR. Ooh. Yeah. Well, hey. Okay. Well, seems like it's time to go. Yeah. Well. Past time to go. Start to go. All right. Yeah. All right. Way. We'll see you at the party. Six thirty. Woo. December twenty seventh. Woo. It's gonna be a desert there. (laughs) Bye.